Morning, everybody. Morning. It's good to be with you. Uh, we had a cracking time with the blokes, as you've heard. And I just want to extend my thanks to Ellen for trusting me with her pulpit. Um, this is actually the second time I've spoken here, which is rare. I never usually get asked back anywhere. So um, I always preach like they're never going to ask me back, and it turns out that's actually what happens. So... Um, so thank you for the invitation and uh, to the leaders, elders, deacons for uh, allowing me to uh, take up uh, some, some of your time. Uh, by introduction, deeper introduction, so you know who I am. I live in a place called Chesterfield, which we call Ches Vegas. I was born in Dagenham, which someone has already given away, we call Darjean Harm. Uh, there's a theme here. My name's Carl Beach, but everyone calls me Beachy. Basically, I modify words for a living, so that's, that's what I do. Uh, I'm married to Karen. I've been married, I, th I think it's 28 years this in, in April. I've got two uh, adult... I know it's hard to believe because I look so youthful, but you should be now looking astonished. Um, uh, I have two daughters, one who is 22 and one who is 23. Uh, the... 22-year-old is training to be a vet at Royal Veterinary College. Uh, let me just advise you, uh, parents of younger children, do everything you can to stop kids studying five-year courses. <coughs> let someone else take care of the animals and the people. It's, it's not, it's, particularly if you are a self-employed, live-by-faith evangelist, it will basically destroy your balance in the bank for many years uh, ongoing. And the other one uh, runs her own business. She's actually a tattoo artist. Argue about the theology of that later with me if you want. She's actually she's a kind of Christian on fire tattoo artist. Uh, so I've got one who's super academic, and the other one lives in Narnia. So that's <laughs> my family. And um, I did have a dog which died during the pandemic. But I, well, I got to put down actually, so didn't have much choice in it. And uh, and I've got a cat called Spencer. So that's us. There is apparently a hamster, but I haven't seen it for about a year. <laughs> so I, I'm not going to build a relationship with it now because they don't last long enough to even give them names, quite frankly. So that's me. I, I'm an evangelist. That means I tell people about Jesus. That's actually what I'm going to do today. I'm going to tell you some things about Jesus who many of you know, and some of you may not, and some of you may be in a wavering kind of relationship. So I'm just going to talk about him. I'm not going to talk about what I do because I want to boast in nothing but Christ this morning. So, uh, well, I, I, I work for a mission organisation, as Ellen said, that reaches broken, hurting people. So that, that's my daily job, and I do some men's stuff as a kind of side hustle. So that, that's us. Now, my work with uh, particularly men's ministry has led me into some extraordinary scenarios. And one of the scenarios uh, that I had was being in Belfast, I was telling the guys this briefly after communion, being in Belfast and uh, being in a living room with a member of an assassination squad from the provisional IRA a few years earlier and had been let out of the maze prison during the Good Friday thing. And the other bloke in the living room was a, an ex-RUC constabulary counter-terrorist hunter kind of detective who would hunt terrorists down. Why were they in the same room? How could they be in the same room? They actually said to me, we used to hunt each other on the streets of Belfast and now we're on the men's breakfast planning committee. 
How does that happen? How do two sworn enemies get reconciled in such an amazing way? How? Only through Christ is the answer. In another scenario, I, I'm going to cut a long story short. I, I preach the gospel on, on Friday nights and Saturday nights at the gathering. That's, that's what we do. But we have a lot of interesting characters coming along. And one of the interesting characters that came along was a, a drug dealer who, who had been invited by his friend because his friend was worried about him, thought he was going to get killed or something because he was dealing a lot of cocaine. And uh, I bumped into him for coffee on the, in, the, in what we call the mess tent on the Friday. And he, he told me he didn't really want to be here, uh, but you know, uh, he was willing to give Christianity a look in. Long story short, he heard Tough Talk speak. He heard me speak. He gave his life to Christ. Uh, it was amazing. That's the good bit. But he actually came over to me and went, I've just met Jesus, but I've got 30 kilos of cocaine at home, so what do I do about it? <laughs> at, that, at that point, I said, well, that's someone else's business. Let's not talk about that right now. You know, the main thing is you're forgiven, but we've got to work out a plan. He said, he said well, he could, he could get me killed. Anyway, interesting life. So um, he then went to bed on, on the Saturday night, and he said to me, um, in the morning, I bumped into him again. It was extraordinary, really. And he said to me... Um, I hate the police. He said, actually, that's wrong. He said, I hated the police. Uh, because I woke up this morning, having given me life to Christ, loving the police. I said, oh, good. He said, and, but I've, I've got this overwhelming urge to do something. He said, I want to hug a policeman. <laughs> I said, I won't. Uh, he said, do you know any? Now... And the gathering, it's two and a half thousand men, about a hundred cops come from the Christian Police Association. Detectives, manhunters, you know, beat bobbies, sergeants, anti-terrorist cops, all sorts. So I said to him, I do know one actually. I said, here's a little plan. I didn't think it through. I'm quite a spontaneous person. I said, why don't you come up the front and, uh, on, in a big celebration and I'll, I'm thinking this is, good. This is evangelism gold dust. Uh, you know, and we'll explain that you've just given your life to Christ, so we won't mention the kilos of cocaine. We'll, talk, <laughs> we'll deal with that in another scenario. Uh, uh, come out the front, and I'll see if there are any policemen there. And spontaneous thing, you know, and if there's a policeman there, come out and give you a hug, knowing there are about 100 cops there. And he doesn't know that, you see. He actually said that when he turned up at the event, he saw all these police meat wagons. He nearly turned and did a runner. Uh, but they were just the Christian Police Association because have a, we have a riot squad on duty to prevent men from waving flags in the worship. So um, that's, this, is actually, this is actually true. And gentlemen, if that is your hobby, we need to talk because it is sub-kingdom activity. So, um, uh, so anyway, anyway, we get to the celebration. We have a Graham Kendrick's leading worship. It's wonderful. All lovely things are happening. And I think now is my moment to, to show the, this amazing thing to the guys, and I got Matt up, and we told the story, and he, everyone clapped. He's a he's a drug dealer. He's given his life to Christ. Didn't mention the thirty kilos of cocaine. Uh, so everyone's great. And I went. I said, and Matt, Matt wants to be reconciled to the people that he hated, which was the police. Are there any Christian cops in this order in this tent? Having had a guy who said, I'm a drug dealer at the front, 
So no, still it was a drug dealer until Friday night. Suddenly, as I'm standing there on this elevated platform, in, in, this, in this marquee that seats thousands, this horde of cops come running at him, <laughs> like they're running at him. And I, for a moment, I thought, oh, no, no, they're going to tackle him and drag him out of the tent and nick him. I thought, what have I done? And Matt's actually looking at me, this guy, he's going, what have you done? He's <laughs> literally they're running at him, looking very determined. And they come up on the stage, and I've never seen anything like it. These are tough cops. They, they hugged him. And they started crying. One of them kissed his head. And, and they held him. And I watched these, these tough cops kneeling with him and praying. And, and I thought what I thought would be a good moment is actually an astonishing outworking of Christian, Christ-centered reconciliation in front of us right now. I had a letter from a cop shortly afterwards who said something like this, and I am paraphrasing it. He said something like, I was stabbed up in the line of duty and really seriously injured, and I suffered from chronic PTSD, and I've not been able to sleep, and blah, blah, blah. The day I hugged that young man and we forgave each other for our decisions and choices, I've slept like a baby and all symptoms of PTSD have left my life. I mean, that doesn't happen for everyone, but I thought, amazing. Only Jesus. At this point, we should be going, only Jesus can do that. We shouldn't be sitting there like British Christians going, well, that's quite a good story. <laughs> no, 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 that's... Only Jesus. Yeah, it's like, oh, let's hear that chap, BG told us that people didn't go to hell anymore and got saved. Oh, that's quite good, that. Another cup of tea, Marlene. <laughs> These things are extraordinary. Only Jesus. They're extraordinary. I like mind-blowing. It doesn't happen normally. Like, watch EastEnders. Everyone's rowing with everyone. Everyone hates everyone. That's what the world does. They gossip and they moan. And look at the papers. Who would be a politician right now? What a minefield you're walking through. Even if you're a good one. There are good ones. But it's the nightmare. The world is so full of hate and division and gossip. And then you, you, you come across this character, Jesus Christ, and extraordinary things happen. And I want you to know that I have started with a couple of stories, but I do love the Bible. And what's happened is in the Bible, so I'm going to read you a bit from the Bible. You're going to love it. And then we're going to talk briefly about how we're going to live it. This is a bit in the Bible in a book called Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians, chapter 5. It says this, Therefore, I've got, just to warn you, I use a new American Standard Bible. Not because I've got pretensions about being in Miami Vice, but it's, a, it's such a beautiful old-school version, I love it. So you might read a bit different to us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. And all these things are from God, who reconciled to himself uh, through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. 
Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He, he, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. A couple of things I'm going to say. Firstly, if you are sitting here today and you are someone who would define themselves as a committed follower of Jesus Christ, that doesn't mean that you are on rotors in the church or even if you give or, or have helped in Sunday school for many years. It means you are a committed follower of Christ, a new creation. You are someone who has brought their life before God and said, I need help and I will not live my way anymore. And, and you're all in on that. That's what I mean. It means that you are completely new. I, I love the phrase being born again. When I, in 1989, when I first heard the gospel, and someone said, you must be born again, it terrified me because I didn't want to become like Cliff Richard because that was the only born again Christian I knew and he'd just released Mistletoe Wine, which arguably was a shocking song. Sorry if, you, <laughs> sorry if you're a fan, um, but that was my opinion at the time and that, therefore it's true and correct. <laughs> so... Um, you are a new creature. The old things have passed away. The old you, according to Romans 6, when you're baptised, you're buried to the old you and the new one, the new you, pops up. That, that should define a lot about our lives, how we interact with each other, how we conduct ourselves. And the question I would pose, and, and I actually developed the, the idea of talking around this about two months ago, to be honest, uh, to the church. I've not actually preached on this verse for, for a very long time, really, even though it's highlighted in my Bible. Um, it should, uh, our behaviour should be defined by this in, in very acute ways. And what the question I want you to ask yourselves is, does someone see me as a reconciler, a peacemaker, an ambassador for Christ, living a radically countercultural life? Do people see that in you when you are cut up on the road, in a queue in Tesco, held on a terrible holding call, and then, you know, or, and, and then you finally get through and they don't understand what you're saying and you, lo you lose your rag, or you don't because you've been reconciled to Christ and you're a new creation. I'm not saying you're going to be the angel Gabriel, but at least let's give it a shot. So that when the world looks at us, they see something extraordinary. You are new people. In Acts, when the church was birthed, they looked on the people and, and, and they were astonished at the way they lived their lives. So generous and overflowing with love and compassion and grace and kindness and forgiveness. I've got to be honest, I've, I've, I, I love and hate social media. I use it extensively because... In a, working in poverty, there's not much money and it's good free marketing for what we do. That's, that's, that's why I use it. But I look at some of the things that Christians put online. The retorts, the comments, the infighting. And I'm like, we are no different to the world here. And that scares me. You know, I, for many years, I'm not anymore, but I was actually a proper Baptist minister. I don't know, this is a shock. You might think, well, there's a reason why you're not one anymore. And, that's, <laughs> and actually, that is true. But I was trained and ordained and everything. And, uh, yeah, I, yeah I've, 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 I've tried to live this sort of life of, you know, teaching the Bible and trying to work it out and apply it in churches. I used to lead a Baptist church for many years. One of the heartbreaking things to me, I, and can I, disclaimer, 
I don't know much about your church. Like I said, I preached to you a long time ago. So I'm not being pointed. I'm talking about the church, capital C. Church members meetings, people's conduct. I'm like, we're like a radio-controlled aircraft club or fishing society. We should be characterised by, by overwhelming joy and gratitude and, and kindness and peace and excitement at the things that God is doing. And maybe your meetings are like that. I pray to God that they are. But, but so often in church life and in social media forums, they're just not that. We are new creations. And I think we've got to keep ourselves in tension, the sweet spot of peace and kindness and grace. The fruits of spirit stuff, the beatitude stuff, Romans 12, 9 to 20 stuff. It's so important. Because we want to see more of IRA bloke and more of drug dealer bloke coming to Christ. Don't we? Don't we? And how are they going to do it? It, they'll do it by looking at you because that's what it says in the Bible. You, you're ambassadors for Christ. They'll do it by looking at you. I knew the toilet cleaner in Montford Market, ladies and gentlemen, and he was a Christian toilet cleaner. And he had a massive, you know, what are those massive stereos he used to have? You know, basically it had to be on wheels so he could pull it along with tapes in it and all of that. He had one of them. And he used to mop his floor and he'd have tapes, old school tapes of worship music. And he once said to me, he goes, I'm going to have the cleanest toilets of any market in the UK and the most evangelistic ones. So when they're having a wee, they can sing a hymn. <laughs> what he said to me. I'm like, yeah, you got it. You could be a GP like my newly found friend Justin. You could be a a teacher like Rob, you could, you could be a bin man, a factory worker, a minister, a, a shop worker, an Amazon warehouse worker, or something. It doesn't matter where you are, but it's who you are when you're there and how are you using the place that God has placed you. Because we don't all want platform people. I'm, I'm trying to get more people off platforms into real life. Um, but what we need the proliferation of people who are razor sharp hot for Christ, wherever they are, right? You are the ambassadors. And that means that in our churches, we need to be practicing radical reconciliation amongst ourselves. And let me tell you, honest conversations to bring about reconciliation are incredibly difficult and painful and require much grace, but it's so important. Because we need to be characterised by the people who have the honest chat. Who are, you know, not like I'm going to go over to someone and go, I really forgive you for all the things you keep doing that hurt me. I just want you to know I've forgiven you for that. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about relationship and working things through. It's so incredibly important. And I'm going to give you an example of, of a radical reconciliation because... If you can grasp what happened to my mate, who's now with the Lord, called Brian, you can do it for people who upset you because they blocked your car in the church car park, you know, or didn't make the tea the way you want it, or didn't lay something out. I mean, when I first brought transition to my church in Essex, I made a fatal mistake of, I, I interfered with the flowers, and 
I mean, when I first started, I was like, wow, I'm going to lead a church, and we're going to take ground from Satan, and we're going to, we're going to plunder hell and populate heaven. We're going to do this radical mission stuff. And on my first Sunday, I, I moved the flowers, and all my strategies went out the window because, <laughs> because everyone has a fight plan until they're punched in the face, and the flower lady very nearly did. And I'm like, oh, dear, I'm learning something new here. Um, so my example is this. This is not an evangelist parable. This is a true story. Sometimes I tell a story and I think, did that actually happen or was it a parable? But this actually happened. And I like to check things out before I share things to make sure they're accurate. My mate Brian was an ex-gangster. He was an enforcer for an East End gang. And he, uh, when he was a younger man, um, he's with the Lord now, um, when he was a younger man, someone mocked him. And so he, he followed this guy about and he waited an op- for an opportune moment. And when this guy walked past who had taken the mick out of him, he hit him around the back of the head, knocked him to the ground and hit him many times with this lump of 4 by 2 And then when he stopped assaulting him in, in a rage and a fury, he realised that the, the wood had nails in it. So he'd hit this guy around the head and in the back with, with, with basically a club with nails in and he confessed this to me once because he wasn't a believer. And he said to me, I don't believe God can forgive anything. I think there's some things he can't forgive. He used this expression, I have lorry loads of sin in my life. And then this, this speaker, shortly after that conversation, said he, he came with a, with a toy lorry. He couldn't make it up. And he went, some people think they've got lorry loads of sin in their life. And, they, and God can't take it away. And even then, it's like, like God shouting to Brian, listen, it can be forgiven. But he went, no, nah, it's still what I did. Too bad. He said, and the person, he said, the person I hurt, I might have killed him. And I've probably got to, if I've become surprised, I've got to confess it to the police. Because I might have murdered someone. I don't know, because I went into hiding. And so, oh, dear. Um, anyway, it was about a month after that those conversations and the loyal of sin thing where Brian was still being stubborn that he was walking down Billericay High Street Billericay sounds like it's near Ireland but it's actually just off the coast of Basildon so um, uh, he was walking down Billericay High Street and he, he heard this Australian accent and this, he looked up and he saw this group walking towards him and there was a bloke actually wearing like an Aussie type hat, not with the corks, you know, but like a... And a big guy. And he thought, that's weird, because that looks like the bloke that I hit with the four by two, but with the nails in, but actually speaking with an Australian accent. Anyway, they got closer and closer, and this man moved to stop Brian in his tracks. And he said to him, I know who you are. And Brian said, I know who you are. And this, this guy said, you need to know that we're, we're younger men, but I, you hurt me so badly, and I was terrified of you because of your violent reputation. I left the country and emigrated to Australia when I'd recovered. And I've made a life for myself in Australia. He said, but there's something I want to tell you. And you won't understand what I'm about to say to you, but I forgave you 30 years ago when I gave my life to Christ, when I, lived, when I moved to Australia. Do not look at me like British Christians. 
That is, that is the most weirdest thing that could ever happen. That is weird. God does weird things. And him and Brian prayed on the pavement. And Brian gave his life to Christ shortly after. And Brian was baptised and he's now with the Lord. His soul was saved. Radical reconciliation. Because a man was forgiven, he issued forgiveness on the street and the, the Lord takes it so seriously he put two people to collide on a pavement. A bloke from Melbourne. He's about as far away as you can go from here. In Billericay that no one's heard of. <laughs> Meet in a street. This isn't a professional preacher story. It happened in my local church. It's weird and powerful and beautiful and game-changing. But we don't just want that radical reconciliation for the big stories. We want it in the small stuff. With your kids, your families, the people you're sitting with. I've, I've known people to sit in churches for years and say, well, you know, and taking communion and not liking Jeff who sits over the other side, always trying to avoid him. Is there a Jeff sitting over the other side? Because that would be really... <laughs> that could have been like an astonishing moment and you, you would have reacted really powerfully at that one. Or you might not have done and gone, oh, do you remember in BG Centre, Jeff? That yeah, was marvellous, Marlene, wasn't it? <laughs> God is real. So, look, what am I saying? I am saying that Jesus is amazing and he changes lives and he reconciles people to one another and he desires that no person would be lost. And that's why we live this life of grace and reconciliation and forgiveness and kindness because of the love and grace that God showed you when you were hanging by a thread from hell and he extended his grace and rescued you. I, I just feel I have no rights anymore. I'm, I, you know, I'm a broken man. I'm a bit of a div sometimes. You know, I try to live a godly life, but it's not always easy. But I know my Saviour rescued me and sanctified me and justified me. Brought me to use some words to make you know that I am qualified. <laughs> um, I know that he did that, and... And, and he rescued me and put my feet on a rock. When, when you know that, it, it destroys pomposity and arrogance and boasting, all of which are incredibly vulgar characteristics in the life of a Christian. It means that we are all hanging by a thread of grace, deeply loved, rescued by a saviour who died on the cross even when we would ignore him and not truly live out our lives appropriately for him. So the word that I felt the Lord impress on me, which is a bit weird because I've not, done, I've not used this word before, was that, that, and you need to weigh this, because it's terrible when a preacher like me comes in and says, I feel I have a word, and I forgot to tell Ellen. So that's really bad. But I'm going to do it anyway. Sorry, Ellen. It's so disrespectful. But, you know, I'm from, I'm from Dagenham. Anyway, so the word I had that I felt <coughs> impressed on me in prayer was that, that Chichester Baptist would be known as the centre of reconciliation and grace and peace. Actually, that, that, and through that, you would be remarkable ambassadors and many would, would come to Christ. 
you need to weigh it because you might think, actually, I'm just about to release a word to the church and it wasn't that word, reconciliation. It was mission and Jesus and just much better than your one. <coughs> and that's fine. But I, <coughs> I really did feel this with all my heart. And, and to get to that place, <coughs> excuse me, to get to that place where you are known as a, a, a place where people walk in and find peace and reconciliation, where conflict is ended, and relationships are restored. And I'm thinking all those lost people around you and people who come in are lost. You actually see relationships restored and lives transformed. It's going to be a hard fight because the devil will want to use all sorts of tactics to make you hate on each other. That's what happens in, in churches because we are ambassadors and reconcilers. That is our task. So I'm going to stop there. And, and I'm going to stop by asking for a moment of uh, honest prayer before your Father in heaven. And I'm not going to ask us to do anything dangerously weird, uh, just weird. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, what I'd love is, if you're sitting here, and this, this, this could be awkward, but it could be beautiful, or nothing might happen at all which is cool, because this is a work of the Holy Spirit, or it's my idea. Um, we're going to have a, a prayer. And the launch pad for this sort of prophetic ministry to a broken community, because Chichester is broken, because it's got broken people in it. People without Christ are broken. We're all broken. We're all in recovery from something. For you, for you to initiate that, there must be reconciliation here. And I don't know if there's not any reconciliation, but I felt from the Lord, this was a couple of months ago, that when I came to speak, I normally do a straight down line gospel preaching call for salvation. And that's what I was saying to the guys I was going to do, but I had this cheeky plan A, which was to pray and cross the room to people if you need to. Not to say, I forgive you for you being such a horrible person. To say, I love you, brother. Or I love you, sister. It may be to someone that you keep seeing in the church and you've not done that before, and you, or you know, you've not really embraced them. It may be there's been conflict in the past and it's never been you know, that great since. Uh, it could be anything. Um, and I know that's weird, like if you're visiting, you think, well, what the heck? Well, you can come and talk to me and we'll have a chat and a cup of tea while that's all going on. It's fine. Um, but I'd like you to do that if you really feel compelled. And if you don't, that's fine. Well, that's a bit difficult. Um, just pray in your space and then drop some of the text or WhatsApp and, and say, I love you, brother. That's, or I love you, sister. That's all it needs to be. I think that would be extremely powerful. And it's the start of culture change in our churches around the country the way we desperately need to be the reconcilers and ambassadors for Christ to a broken world. So let's pray. And um, I think probably what we'll do is we'll pray and then we'll, we'll, get, a, we'll, we'll get a song going. I mean, a Christian one. <laughs> and we'll, we'll thank, just make sure. We get a song going, and and then as as the worship is happening, 
move to the people you just need to say, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. And we pray together. So, Heavenly Father, uh, thank you that you've given us the ministry of reconciliation. We're ambassadors for Christ. We are deeply loved, deeply, deeply loved, more than we can fathom, held, held from hell by a thread of grace. And I pray this morning in Jesus' name, there would be a move of your spirit that would, would take this beautiful church to another depth of relationship, with kindness and grace, and that actually the power of your spirit would flow so powerfully as a result. The testimonies of changed lives here and changed relationships here would spill into the town, I pray in Jesus' name.